You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Hey, that's a picture of, oh, that's like Joe Biden with my hair. No. My hair? Want to see my hair? No. Not quite. You have Lyndon Johnson hair. Check this out. Check this out. That's hair. Look at that. Okay. But it's not a mullet. This is a mullet. It's kind of a mullet. I could do no, a mullet. Your hair you think is I can't do a mullet? Front, it's just comb back. All right. So, oh, he's got an actual mullet. So you do. Oh, yeah. Well, well he's got Joe, implants on top, right? Or he has to do a mullet. This photo has to be fake. Joe Biden, I don't think, ever had a no. mullet that this bad. No. But um, it's a metaphor, Bob. Or because perhaps, he's feeling young again after that State of the Union address. No. No. But the State of the Union address was a mullet strategy. Old style New Dealism in the front, and then the progressives go wild in the back, where the woke progressives where where nobody's paying any attention. So that's that's his administration. It presents this benign face. It's very appealing. It was a great. It was a very effective speech, I thought. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he does. He taxes millionaires. He's he has this program to help these people. He's bringing jobs back. Most importantly, it's all very New Dealy. It's not very Clintonian. It's it, people have pointed out it's sort of bypasses the Clinton era, goes right back to Hubert Humphrey. And that all seems good old Joe, union man. Uh, and then, meanwhile, at the lower levels of the administration, you know, they're doing things like there was one one was in the news yesterday requiring that all every town in America have a plan for, in, you know, inclusive housing, mm-hmm. to bring equity to housing. And that's a that's a big deal. It's not a New Deal thing. It's a new woke thing. And, you know, and Biden doesn't mention it, okay? The border, big problem. Uh, not a New Deal plan to let in millions of uh, millions of migrants. Quite the contrary. The New Deal happened during an era of immigration restriction. Uh, and uh, and yet, you know, he, he gives it like one paragraph. He, he, so he doesn't mention any of the non-appealing things. Uh, they're partying in the back. Isn't that a so- brilliant... Metaphor, Bob? Well, did, I was going to ask, did you come up with that metaphor? Uh, gee, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, that was, uh, and that was false humility, I gather. In, in your it voice. was my attempt at false humility, which yeah, is, well, is I would recommend real humility in the case of, uh, in the case of that metaphor. But listen, whatever hey. works for you, whatever works, whatever, whatever gets this podcast off to a rocking start. And, it's and getting... That, Sure did it. It's getting hits on Elon Musk Twitter. Is it? Unlike you actually Elon laid Musk. out the metaphor on Twitter. How long a thread was that? Uh, it was just a post. Mm. I Maybe. had a long thread, but it was attacking Jonathan Chase. Can you do long individual posts yet on Twitter? Uh, I tried. They... No, it didn't mm. happen. Yeah. Supposedly, um, blue checks can write like, like 400 characters or something. I don't know. Oh, blue checks like you. Right. We're, well, Bob, you know, all Nouveau, these people. Nouveau all Blue, these, we call you. Sorry? Nouveau Blue, we Nouveau call you. Blue, yes. Uh, That's actually blue. good. That's actually good. That's, I mean, with all due respect, your mullet metaphor, I would say calling people who pay for their blue checks Nouveau Blue is arguably good. as good as your is mullet it, metaphor. And it better, might have a longer shelf life. Is it better than Parva Blue? Well, I don't even get that. That's how. Parvenu is. Oh, yeah, it's better than that. <laughs> okay. Nouveau Blue. Uh, um, uh, so, 
Anyway, we have a lot to talk about, including well, the State yeah. of the Union. On the State of the Union, just quickly, I didn't watch it because I knew you would and save me the time. I, I, I only had to do it because I, I uh, Ann Coulter sentenced me to blogging the State of the Union for using the word uh, nothing burger in our last podcast. Yeah, that is a little, that has a short shelf, a shorter shelf life than we've assumed, I think. It's a horrible word. It's a horrible yeah, bullshit, it's a bad, uh, it's a bad trendy word. word. So, so I have to watch the State of the Union. Um, I'm glad so I did. I didn't, but he got rave reviews. I can't tell if they're overdone. I mean, people are claiming that he not only delivered the speech crisply, which, you know, with some presidents you would take for granted uh, and stayed awake for the whole thing, but actually handled uh, hecklers with, uh, you know, with ease and grace and, and well, uh, jujitsu moves and the stuff. The speech itself was, was the standard fumbling, mispronounced, garbled syntax. Oh, was it? Thing you expect. Yeah, but it, you, we, we're used to that now. He, he was he was all there and 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 he was heckled. It was like British Question Time, you know. Everybody was yelling at him. I think that's and, what uh, it's evolving into is yeah, Prime Minister's questions. It's a good yeah. thing, I think, and because he had to be agile. And he was agile enough, and he did this very clever thing, which is, uh, you know, he said, "You want to cut Social Security?" And they said, "No, we don't. You're lying." He said, "Okay." Well, one you don't person called him a liar. That's, that's settled now. But they all they all yelled at him. Presumably saying that that yeah. was misstating their position, they said, "Okay, you don't want to cut Social Security, so that's settled. We have a deal there," and that was that was. Uh, but couldn't that he got a good that deal move. anyway? I mean, that wasn't like really backing them into a corner meaningfully, right? Or was it? Oh, I think he trapped them into saying that they don't want to cut Social Security. Yeah, okay. I mean, for that, for the, I mean, they're going to find a way around it. But it, the whole thing could be a disaster for the Democrats because a, it totally revived Biden's hopes. That's so what worries me. They're they're, they're going to be stuck with him as the nominee, and and B, it sort of if you believe this this interchange, it sort of took Social Security off the table. So if he gets the Republicans to agree not to cut Social Security, how do the Democrats then campaign with a scare campaign about Social Security? I, I think they'll find a way to do it, but it lacks residence now that he's neutralized the issue. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, no, I'm concerned. I mean, it sounds. Would you say that because of this State of the Union address, the nomination is now his for the taking? No, that's a little exaggeration, but it's it, it but, certainly uh, puts him in a strong position uh, and makes uh, people think twice about challenging him. Plus, as it, I have a bit of punditry, Bob. Oh, good. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the problem is that it, it's not clear who would challenge him or if even if I got a know, plan. If, if, if he if he disappeared from the scene, who would, aside from Kamala, would take his place? And the answer is totally obvious. You? Me? No. I thought I had nice. a dollar. I thought I had a dollar, but I don't. Nancy Pelosi, she's she's no seeming pretty vigorous. Yeah. No. Hillary Clinton. Oh, please. Give me a break. She's perfectly positioned she, to run in the primaries how old to is succeed Hillary? Joe Biden. How old is Hillary? Could we just get to another generation, for God's sake? I don't I mean, know if she's younger than Joe. <laughs> All of America is younger than Joe. I'm about to Google her age, and you'll be shocked at how old she is. 
Should I ask Chad G- GPT? She's or do you probably seventy six. My guess is she's seventy six. Hillary Clinton age. She's seventy five. Give me a break. Okay. She'd be eighty one by the end of the first term. Come on, uh, out, Mickey. Snap uh, to it. I anyway, you know she she is completely willing to be an old New Dealer. It's not clear that she was ever on board I, I for the triangulation of the Clinton divert. of the her husband's administration, and she'd start off with a guaranteed thirty percent of the vote from her her loyal no, followers. No, 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 no. Look, if it's going to be a challenger as opposed to him stepping aside, it's going to have to be somebody who draws a contrast. No, no, no. I'm on talking about. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a challenge. challenge him. His age. His age. I'm not talking about a challenge. I'm talking about if if he should. Oh God! Decide not to this run. This is like you are who, a Trump who agent. Who fills the void, and who could take? Who would? Who would supplant Kamala as the obvious replacement? You're trying to. You're trying to sabotage the Democratic ticket. You're a Trump you, agent. Who, who's going to stop are, her, Bob? You know she wants to do it. Who's going to stop her? You are to the Democratic Party what Joe Biden was to the Nord Stream pipeline, Mickey. You're changing the subject. <laughs> um, uh, the 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 Nord Stream pipeline story is very weird. There. There's been a flat denial, but mm-hmm. there hasn't been the sort of pushback you'd expect if it was bullshit. I guess if it was com- well, the government it, said it's complete fiction or something. They, they, we should the, we should we should fill in people what we're talking about. Yeah. So Seymour Hirsch, a uh, storied, legendary investigative reporter who uh, uncovered the Milai massacre and has done other great work. Uh, also, some other other very questionable work. Well, I don't know about Barry. Lately, he has, uh, in recent years, um, he's run afoul of the establishment, I would say, um, by doing some stuff questioning whether a chemical weapons attack in Syria was a false flag operation, which I think in principle, chemical weapons attacks can be. Um, and uh, what else did he get into? Oh, the, 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 the thing about the killing of bin Laden, it's not like he denied that they killed him or something. I mean... I didn't think there was anything super crazy there. Uh, but anyway, he's come out. Everyone remembers the Nord Stream pipeline blowing up. This is this natural gas pipeline from Russia to Germany. Actually, two of them, Nord Stream 1 and 2. And uh, when it blew up, you know, the blob and kind of tried to convince us and MSM virtually in America that the Russians had did it, which just made no obvious sense. It's like, it's their pipeline. If they want to stop the gas, they can turn off the valve. And that's actually much more effective with for them if they want to use the gas as leverage to like coerce Western Europe into breaking ranks with the U.S. on Ukraine policy, which is uh, one thing you might want to do. They're much better off having control over the gas than taking control out of their hands. Who would like to take control out of their hands? The United States. We said so. Uh, and Joe Biden said, in fact, in early February of last year, uh, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna track down the exact quote. He said something like, you know, if Putin invades, there will be no Nord Stream two, which is one of the two pipelines blown up. Now he could have just meant they'll never get regulatory approval, but anyway, the U.S. in terms of common sense reasoning makes much more sense as a culprit. Of course, it could be the U.S. did it, and Hirsch's scenario is wrong. Um, but, uh, and all, all the U S has denied is his particular scenario. 
which is kind of exotic. He says that uh, under the cover of some naval operation or something, they actually divers planted the bombs several months before they were detonated by remote control. Um, so anyway, that's this is also Cy Hirsch's uh, Substack debut, and I notice he already has thousands of paid subscribers. So it's working out. Uh, the, uh, well, I just think if it were if it were bullshit, if we were not responsible, yeah. There would not just be a denial from the CIA. There would be all sorts of experts coming out of the woodwork, talking to Washington Post reporters, saying, "You know, this is complete bullshit." Uh, you know, Cy Hirsch is off his rocker, and I don't see that. I just see the denial. And and as you say, it's a weird denial. It's a work of fiction. Well, that just could be that he fictionalized the, you know, the the divers who who yeah. supposedly pulled this off. Uh, and uh, it also makes sense of this. Famous tweet from Radek Sikorsky, which I'm holding up here on where he... He was the former prime minister of Poland who right after this happened, what did he say on that tweet? He said, thank you, USA. <laughs> and this uh, is former, <laughs> former foreign minister of Poland, okay? This is not some random former, guy. And defense secretary, I think, believe too. Oh, so he knows, he knows about defense. Um, so that says if Dan nothing Applebaum. else... If, if nothing else, that tells you he thinks it makes sense for the U.S. to do, um, and and it and it and it did because the the U.S. Uh, didn't want U.S. to have the leverage over Europe of controlling its natural gas during the winter. Um, so, but here's a but that's a pretty ballsy move for Biden to give the go ahead for the what is essentially an act of war. Yeah, but. Uh, and and so I don't. I but mean, see, it's obviously going to be discovered. But see, that's that's where Hirsch's scenario makes particular sense. It's like if somebody, first of all, this idea originates somewhere in you know in the CIA or something. Some ambitious guy says, "Why don't we do this?" And they say, and they say to Biden, uh, "Why don't we do this?" And he says, "Oh, I'm not so sure." And they say, "But remember, all we're doing is planting the remote control bombs. You don't have to ever use them." You can use them whenever you want, okay? Well, keep, keep in mind, he, according to her, she had already sent out an all-points bulletin, figure out a way to block this pipeline. Yeah. And the CIA came up, you know, somebody came up with this idea of the divers. But go ahead. Right. My point is, it's, you can see a president committing to this because it's not really committal. The, the planting of the bombs itself is like, oh, I can always change my mind. And then a few months pass and you decide, well, we really need to do this at this point to 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 make sure Russia has no bargaining power in the winter. But um, you know, and, and, and they for, had already invaded Ukraine, but still, we're not a party to that technically. Uh, wait, say that again. I think they had already invaded Ukraine by the time we detonated the bombs. Well, certainly uh, by the time we detonated, by the time we planted them, we invaded Ukraine. We in this scenario, we planted them the summer after the February invasion. Okay. And then detonated them in September. But I think Hirsch, I haven't read the whole thing, but I think Hirsch is saying the plan originates even before the invasion. But when they say, right. like, Biden wanted this and that, what they mean is Jake Sullivan or somebody told them Biden wanted it. And we don't know how it was, so whether it was sold to Biden by Sullivan and Blinken or whether it was his idea or what, you know. Well, right. But he he's clearly a willing, I mean, they're not holding oh, sure. him hostage he, he and, and moving okay his it. hand on the on the. You know, on the pen, he 
he had to okay it. But look, with all due, due uh, respect for his impressive State of the Union performance, yeah, I, you know, I he seems to me like he's in, you know, in some some days he's probably well, pretty it, malleable. It, it, I mean, do you approve of this? No, sounds like you. Okay, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, I haven't really thought through whether I approve it. I mean, there's all these weird things like Victoria Newland in front of Congress kind of celebrates it. We're glad it happened. Everyone in the administration right. is glad it happened. Uh, of course, she's a, she's been a loose cannon forever. I mean, she may be, you know, if, if she had never entered the scene, it's not clear there would be a war in Ukraine. But um, so I don't, uh, you know, uh, I, I, expected, I, I, I expected you to condemn it for violating the rules based global order. Well. I mean, yeah, I condemn it, certainly if we didn't have Germany's permission, for God's sake. It's a deal. Germany's an ally. It's a deal between them and Russia. I mean, one could say once Russia has invaded a country, violated international law in that way, then you're at war. On the other hand, we're not technically at war with them, even though the story in the Washington Post this week confirmed what everybody knew, which is we basically give them all the targets for all the, all at least the, the rockets we give them, the, you know, the, the, um, so it, we got Germany's permission for this blast. I'm not no, sure. I'm asking. I'm yeah, saying I don't think so. I don't I'm think I'm saying it would story. be pretty perfidious if if we stabbed Germany in the back with this. That that would be seem really bad form. I'd be pretty pissed if I was Germany and I we guess did this right. without asking. The um the the who owns the pipeline? It's not like is it on somebody's sovereign territory? It's in well, the law of the sea, right? Russia, and this is another reason to think they didn't do it, is they then set about repairing it. So I guess it's theirs. I don't know. But, but it, you know, it's like I generally don't go around blowing shit up in my house and then repairing it. If I blow it up, it means I don't want it. And actually, I don't blow up that much stuff in my house, to be honest. But um, so, look, I, I mean, I, I, it makes, look, it makes a lot more sense that the U.S. or U.S. proxy did it, then that Russia did it. That was the case before the Cy Hirsch piece. It's the case now. We probably did it. Um, I, I, you know, I want to talk about Hirsch more in the parrot room. Uh, oh, I forgot to set my alarm because I know um, how long we've we been doing this, like uh, 15 minutes. Something like that, yeah. Uh, so um, we're going to be crisp this week, not like the bloviation well, fest last week. You know what? What would help our crispness is is if somebody would tell us what nutritional supplements Biden took before the State of the Union. If we could get some of those, we'd have the hottest podcast. I think it was more than nutritional sub supplements, Bob. That was a euphemism, Mickey. Nutritional. Supplements. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I could use those too. But it's bizarre because why didn't he take them all the time? I are think they, nutritional they're, they're supplements. Like, you can only magnitude. use them once a month or something. You can't take these all the time, Mickey. <laughs> supplements of this magnitude. <laughs> it's like, and, and do they have? But then he, he's up. He was up the next, the next day. He was still doing you know, working. Hmm? He was probably up all night. <laughs> <laughs> a good point. You saw Trump's reaction. Trump's had a hilarious reaction. What did, what did he say? He I'm was very complimentary. He said Jill looked lovely. Uh, and. Biden gave a, a effective speech, and you know he was filled with praise for it. It was totally bizarre. Well, I'll tell you I something. Think he, I think he was grooming Jill, Bob. 
Don't call him a groomer, Mickey. Well, that came up, you know. I was transitioning. Oh, good transition. Let's talk grooming. Well, Trump also accused Ron DeSantis of grooming. He actually used the word. It's a horrible word. It's it's used to to tar and defame all sorts of people who are probably not doing what grooming implies. Uh, uh, and uh, and even people like Ryan Drudusky, who was waging a campaign against school boards all over America, says he never uses the word grooming. I I don't. Um, so he recognizes that it's a bad word to use. And Trump just accused DeSantis of grooming because there's some blurry photo in which a guy who looks like DeSantis seems to be drinking with a bunch of 17-year-old athletes. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And, well, um, they're girls. They, they supposedly are, are, were students of his when he taught high school. And supposedly. About, if, if, it's, if it's him, yeah. I think it's probably him. It looks like him. He has that terrible haircut he had when he was teaching high school. Have you seen that haircut? That that is Oppo research. Is any picture of him when he was teaching? That is like is it, the world's worst hair. Is it a mullet? Oh God, he wishes. It's so. It's like Revenge of the Nerd. It's so. It's like. It's like uh, in uh, Dumb and Dumber. It's like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. Look up that haircut. That is Ron DeSantis when he's teaching high school. Folks, this can end his campaign right now if we really get this picture out there. I want everybody to do their part. If we work together, we can bring this tragedy to anyway. He he issued a non denial denial. Uh, DeSantis did. Yeah, I mean, obviously not to groom, not the grooming charge. Obviously, he would deny that, but he he just sort of said, "I I'm I, you know the standard thing. I'm spending my time governing, which is the hack." Yeah, hack well, so he, so it is him. He would have denied it. Right, but and and but the 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 big charge isn't that he's in the photo. The big charge is that he was, you know, drinking with girls who, who and the the teaching of evolutionary psychology, Bob, is that when I say something about just because I'm hanging with a woman and saying nice things about her, does that mean I'm grooming her? Yes, it does. <laughs> that's that what the, evolution teaches. That's the teaching of evolutionary psychology. I think the, so. Um, so. The, uh, you know, it's hard. It's a hard one to defend against. Well, the good news for him is the uh, student of his, who's uh, and I think she's the one holding the apparent alcoholic beverage, has her arm around him. He doesn't have his arm around her. But it would be better for him if nobody had their arms around anybody in that picture. Um, well, it, it's weird. Mark Halperin uh, went on uh, the commentary podcast. I think I mentioned it last week, and he said, "Well, DeSantis has some personal issues." He's going to need to address it. And Mark I didn't Halpern talk about said it. that. Yeah, that's so obviously he was obviously he was talking about that. Uh, somebody in you know somebody in Trump world had told him they were going to use this thing. Uh, uh, as personal issues go, I think that's it's not it's not that devastating, is it? I mean, it's well, creepy. this is the end of it, no. But what if there was some dalliance with a student? Uh, there, but for the grace of God, it, yeah, that's bad. I agree that that's bad. Is is he married at the time? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But come on, high school students, not college students, Mickey. High school students. Isn't there some Matthew Broderick movie that's all about this? No. And that's the other thing. There what was the, what was the drinking age? I mean, if his drinking age was eighteen at this time, he can say, well, maybe this was a senior and she was legal. But if she's if it's underage drinking that he's participating in as a high school teacher. 
and I'm a religious conservative Republican voter. I just want to tell you how outraged I am, Mickey. Okay. It just seems to me that Trump has many more weapons against DeSantis than that. I mean, I'm, I'm for DeSantis, although his potential flaws are becoming more and more apparent. Uh, what are they aside from this picture? Well, he's got to get this social security issue behind it. Mm-hmm. He has to, you know, he he did vote for some Republican budget that had a cut in social security or maybe even privatization of social mm. security. So he, um, you know, he he he's got to kill that now. He can't be defending it. He can't be doing like the Rick Scott thing of saying, well, it just looks like I want to sunset social security, but really that's not what he meant. He has to say, I've changed my mind. I, we, you know, this is a dead issue. Mm-hmm. We're not going to cut social security. Uh, you know, I've come up, he has to, he has to completely cauterize it or else it's going to be a bleeding wound. Uh, he, I, you know, I told you, he, he, he I, I looked to see how neocani was his foreign policy record. It's that neocani in the sense that he doesn't have a utopian drive to democratize the entire world, especially the Middle East, but it's pretty, mm. uh, pretty Cheney-esque in the Middle East. I mean, he's, you know, with Iran, with Israel, with Syria. There very little, there's very little dissent. So that's well, a thought, potential I thought, liability. I mean, I think, I thought on Syria, he uh, expressed reservations about some form of military action. On the other hand, that was Obama, and it could that have was been under a Obama. partisan that's the move. Yeah, right. That's the problem. On the other, now some of this, in his defense, I would say, is more or less standard for uh, Florida politics. You know, you got Cuba, got Venezuela, uh, even to some extent, Israel in Florida is, is boilerplate, right? Um, it, between it was the, standard, the it was standard opportunistic Republican. Christian. What? It was standard opportunistic Republican foreign policy talk. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the Jewish vote, I got to quickly say uh, that with friends like Joe Rogan, Ilhan Omar does not need enemies. Did you hear what he said on his podcast? No. So, so last week we talked about this thing where she had said, you know, the, the thing that got her into trouble and tarred as anti-Semitic was saying it's all about the Benjamins referring to the way APAC influences uh, votes in Congress, which when you think about it is actually uh, not that outrageous to, uh, thing to say about a political lobby that does in fact channel money to politicians. But so Joe Rogan, uh, Crystal Ball was on his show and the Ilhan Omar thing came up. And like, here's what he says. He thinks he's defending her or thinks he's on the same wavelength as her. He says, the idea that Jewish people are not into money is ridiculous. That's like saying Italians aren't into pizza. Okay, Joe, she wasn't saying Jewish people are into money. She was saying the people that APAC is giving money to, most of whom aren't Jewish, are into money, okay? He w- he he thought yeah. it was, a you know, like, that's not, and, and I'm not even sure ball. it's true. <laughs> what, the, the Jewish people aren't into that I mean, Jewish people are into money or that they're not? I mean, you speak for the Jews, Mickey, as I've always said. I speak said. for the no. Jews, and I live in Beverly Hills where there are a lot of Jewish people who are into money. But what is but the answer? As a percentage of the of the Jewish population, is it is is it a especially materialistic uh, group of people? I don't, I'm not so sure. Around here it is, but, you know, this is a tiny percentage of the Jewish population. In fact, in, 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 the- in, in New York, in New York, they're, you know, they're, a lot of Jews who spend all day reading the Torah, they don't even have jobs. They're on food stamps. And in fact, Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar was saying Jews are happy to part with money. 
for the sake of a cause they believe in. No, I'm not. We're not talking about what Elon Musk. I know, but I'm saying she's agreeing with you. She's almost not. She's not just not saying that they're into money. She's almost by implication saying they're not into it because she's depicting them, at least the ones in APAC, as giving it away. Okay, think about that. Um, think about good that. point. Very subtle point. Thank you. Very nuanced. Thank you. I don't but know anyway, if we like, I hate nuance. So, so Crystal, Crystal Ball, uh, who got the picture, had to find a way to transition to the actual talking point in defense of Ilhan <laughs> Omar without saying, Joe Rogan, you're a fucking idiot. You're making this hard. And without seeming to sign on to what he was saying. And she did a pretty good job, I got to say. She, that's why they pay her the big bucks. Um, anyway, with DeSantis, the third, the third thing that troubles me is, of course, he had this conference uh, where he uh, sort of supported watering down New York Times versus Sullivan to make it easier for public officials to sue the press. I don't think I want to do that. And I, don't, I think it's sort of awkward to do that at the same time we, we are screaming free speech, free speech against Twitter and big tech to say, you know, you want to sort of restrict it in when it comes to, you know, the libel laws. I mean, it's not a direct contradiction, but it sits uneasily with that. So those, those are three areas where I'm beginning to have my doubts about DeSantis. On the other hand, if he's right on immigration, I don't, I'll ignore all those things. Why is he even getting into this free speech thing? Uh, he, seems that, be, he seems to be. He seems to running a series of conferences. This was an event that he was at, where he establishes his policy bona fides on various issues, mm -hmm. uh, and one of them is was is uh, the First Amendment. One of them is. New York Times versus Sullivan, and another one in the future might be immigration, I'm told. Mm. So um, uh, I have high hopes for that, and I'm I'm still pinning all my hopes on him. He I'm is on. the weapon to get rid of Trump, but, uh, but he I has heard, some weaknesses. Uh, I heard David Korn on a podcast, and first of all, he spent part of the podcast raving about Biden's performance and saying, you know, I've, I've done stand-up comedy. It's tough to handle a heckler. He handled him. But then he said, but I'm not sure that somebody his age should run for president. So even he has doubts. And, you know, quickly, Mickey, what has to happen is several people in the Democratic establishment, possibly including Barack Obama, have to just choose a stalking horse, somebody who's going to break the ice. I recommend Tim Ryan because he's got nothing to lose. He's prominent enough to do it. And he's got nothing to lose because he's not in office. And he can be the guy who says, I'm challenging Joe Biden. And then they have to set it up in advance so that, like, assuming Obama's on board, which he should be if he has the interest of, party, of the party at heart, I think. Um, but uh, then, then he should say, you know, reporters should say to Obama, you know, what do you think of this? And he should say, look, I'm sure Joe welcomes the competition. I think the Democratic Party will be, the, whoever the candidate is, will be stronger for having had vigorous competition in the primary. Sure, have a couple of other elders say that. And then it's open season, and maybe you even have the 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 uh, the more substantial candidate ready to step in. You, me, this, this Obama then said, "I support Joe Biden in the primary." Does he say I'm neutral? That would be too vicious. But if he doesn't do that, I don't think he's giving him the necessary. Support. Yeah, I think the smarter thing is to probably say, "Look, you know, I'm a Joe fan, but." I'm sure he welcomes the competition. This is good for the party. Yeah. I don't think Tim Ryan, a proven loser, is the man to do it. It does all it takes. You're just getting the Obama quote. 
Kim is just there for the Obama quote, okay? It's like, it's like somebody who would at least attract attention. And because he's been on the presidential debate stage, uh, he's been in Congress, and he he didn't lose by that much to your whoever your favorite, J.D. Vance. Uh, you know. Yeah, it was a substantial defeat. He'd work. Six, six points, I think. Five points, something like that. He'd work. I, I, I guess I don't see him as having the the uh, heft of Gene McCarthy, but um, again, his, not, his job is not Johnson. to win. His job is to give Obama a chance to say something. Okay, right. Well, but Gene McCarthy didn't win the New Hampshire primary, and it did the job. Did you realize that that started with a slight from Lyndon Johnson? He was auditioning people to be his vice president in '64, uh -huh. and he he wanted to he wanted to have it as like a Miss America pageant. Where he had like he, he he narrowed it down to two finalists, and McCarthy was going to be the tearful runner-up who lost to Hubert Humphrey, and McCarthy said "fuck this" and was pissed off, and that's one of the motivations for running against Johnson in New Hampshire. And he got a lot of support, McCarthy. You know, Marty Parrots was a McCarthy fan. He ran a very dignified campaign. He was a very dignified man who had a lot to say about a lot of things. And the the debate with Bobby Kennedy in California is still the best most substantive uh, debate I've ever seen. Uh, anyway. I'm, get, the, I'm um, getting nostalgic about the caliber of candidates we used to have in olden times, Mickey. Anyway, you have Hillary, Bob, but, but Biden has to drop please. out first before Hillary jumps in. And, Look, it's either Hillary or Kerry. They're all going to want to jump in. Kerry would, are you, Mickey, why do you keep mentioning people who are like 80 that years old? It's a fact. It is a fact. That all these people 80? want to be president and will jump in if they have a chance. And if Biden drops out, they will have that chance. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a great thing. I'm stating I'm being I'm being a pundit. I'm stating it is a uh, fact all, that it will happen. All the discussion of Biden's age is making it harder on people of that generation. It's just going to be it, it's not going to work. They're not going to step in and say, hey, I'll only be 81 by the end of my term, Joe would be 85 or 86. Just, just watch him. I'm not saying they won't try. It's not going to work. Okay. Well, I, and also, please, Hillary. Hillary. Hillary starts off with a substantial chunk of support. You know, I was thinking, you were saying that there was a, the, the word out there was that, well, if they dump Kamala as the next candidate, you, you have to have a, a, a POC woman, and that could be Susan Rice. Susan Rice wouldn't be that bad. I mean, <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, as a candidate, she would handle herself uh, much better than. Oh, she'd Kamala be an okay Harris. vice presidential candidate or presidential candidate compared to Kamala. Would she be a good president? Well, she knows foreign policy uh, to some extent. Um, I don't know. I can think of worse. I think I'd rather have her than Hillary foreign policy. -wise. She's a proven second rater. Well, you can do worse. You could have a third rater. Yeah, yeah. I, and um, we're just beginning. We could go all day. I mean, um, there's. There's four, five. There's Libya. She has that to her credit. Hillary? Both Hillary and Susan Rice. Yeah, well, they, yeah. Uh, so. It, one, one weird thing was Obama made a big deal of all these little fees at, at uh, it was sort of small ball. It was, uh, it was sort of very Dick Morrissey. Uh, these fees that hotels charge you, and he's going to fight back against the corporations that have, you know, uh, to tack on little extra stupid fees. And one of them was surprise billing. Uh, and 
Bizarrely, I have a friend who who was wanted Trump to endorse uh, stopping surprise billing and succeeded. He did endorse that, and and she claimed this was the killer polling issue. This issue polls incredibly well; people care about it. Uh, it's not like some bullshit little issue. Uh, and uh, so Biden has now hit on it. Uh, mm-hmm. So don't don't uh, underestimate the power of those little bullshit. Surprise bullshit ideas. I'm a fan of those. You want to hear some of mine? Uh, my little bullshit ideas. I think ideas? we've heard them, but <laughs> um, I want to mention that uh, you know I was kind of hard on some of Matt Tybee's earlier Twitter files threads. Did you read this week's uh, Matt Tybee Twitter files thread? I think I did. I think it's actually significant, like it because it it and I I write about this in in today's issue of the non-zero newsletter, the Earthling, but. Uh, the um, uh, so it, it it's about this the, the how subtly the blob can exercise power. So you know this this Hamilton sixty eight dashboard thing, which uh was supposedly was was this powerful tool for tracking Russian influence online. Right, right, and and some people had doubts about it, including. Some Trump supporters and some people on the far left, but but he shows a couple of things. First of all, Yoel Roth, who was then Twitter's uh, chief of safety and trust or whatever, um, he looked into it and he said, "Like, wait a second, this is bullshit." If you look at these people that Hamilton, these accounts, the Twitter accounts that Hamilton sixty eight is calling bots uh, and Russian, most of them aren't Russian and they're not bots. They're they're like a lot of them are conservatives. Americans with opinions. Some of them were lefty people with opinions, uh, like Joe Luria, the editor of Consortium News. Uh, and and I would say they tended to be kind of anti-blob and 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 uh and tended not to be Russia hawks. So he was arguing, this is what uh Tybee uncovered in the Twitter emails. He was saying, let's just blow the whistles, uh, uh, blow the whistle on this Hamilton 68 bullshit. And uh, one person in Twitter fought back and said, no, we can't. We have to be very careful in pushback because, and she mentions uh, this thing called the Alliance for Secure Democracies or something. And it turns out that's this just like a blob central thing. If you look at the board of advisors, it's like Michael McFall, uh, Bill Crystal. It's run by this guy or was co-founded by this guy, Jamie Fly, who's a neocon. You've got like Michael Cheridoff. You've got all these people who were either at the CIA or uh, Department of Homeland Security or the National Security Agency. Um, so it's just like this thing is just like blob central. And this woman at Twitter pushes back and says, no, we got to be careful in how we approach these guys. Now, she later goes on to be in Joe Biden's National Security Council. So she is a spokesperson for it and then left them and went to one of these uh you know, consulting groups that that gets money from the the military industrial complex. So she's, you know, kind of blob central herself. Uh, and so they never and so Twitter never blows the whistle on what bullshit Hamilton 68 is. And the reason really is it's like fear of the blob, fear of the power of the blob, as, as Tybee puts it, fear of how well connected I, this uh I guess I'm a little whatever. confused. Was was Hamilton 68 actually getting Twitter to take down tweets or to label them? 
what it was doing disinformation what it was doing was getting a lot of media attention and being used as evidence that yes russians are all over over uh all well, why over. did twitter need to wade into this and say you know denounce them as as wrong they could there are a bunch of people if, if twitter wants to be a political player they could also denounce the southern well, poverty law center and a bunch any a bunch of bullshit organizations well hamilton 68 was identifying twitter accounts it said it had 600 accounts that were like Russian bots. Now, it was weird. It was kind of like Joe McCarthy's list of like 58 people in the State right. Department or what is, because they didn't publicize it. They just said, there's these 600 Twitter accounts, apparently. And Twitter looked into it and go, wait a second, these are not bullshit okay. accounts. Okay, so they and were responding so, to a chart. Right. Yeah. But the other thing I want to say is like Hamilton 68 was part of the process by which people in the resistance, anti-Trump people, came to identify Russia as this existential threat because they identified it as this big pro-Trump, like anti-American liberal thing, okay? Hamilton 68 was part of that. And in that sense, it was part of, and I'm not saying this was all planned out in advance, but as it happens, it was part of paving the way for a lot of anti-Russia sentiment that made it easier for Russia hawks to get their, to have their way with American policy. And did you read, um, I have two reactions. Did you, did you read the Duncan Campbell piece attacking Katrina Vanden Heuvel of the nation? It was, it's a, it's sort of a start. It's a startling development that the big enemy of the left now is the nation magazine. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, Katrina Vanden Heuvel, uh, was, you know, wanted to recognize, uh, I mean, I, I I must admit I I I know her a bit and I I sort of admire her in many ways. But um, what what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean the piece was so so somebody dug up a piece that, that had been written for Columbia Journalism Review a couple of years ago that Columbia Journalism Review chose not to publish, and I guess that was supposed to be part of the scandal. But if you read the piece, I look I didn't get all the way through it, but but supposedly the scandal is that. Katrina Vanden Heuvel and, and and some others at the nation, but not everybody, uh, were skeptics of Russiagate and were kind of recommending against uh, going whole hog on Russiagate. And apparently there were no no few staffers who wanted to go whole hog on Russiagate. And some of them did write about it. I mean, Katha Pollitt wrote about it. She was, a, you know, she was on board with the with Russiagate uh stuff and uh but 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 it seems to me that if anything the basic position that Katrina Vanden Heuvel was taking has been vindicated I mean I mean now I said that and 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 caught shit from Marcy Wheeler and I'm in an ongoing dialogue with her on Twitter about but this and, and it does seem to me the jury is still out on Russiagate sure but skepticism but is skepticism was vindicated but that's what it's I mean. Not, it's not clear that the that the the extent of Russian involvement that we know everything. No, it's not. But I mean, they did this massive Mueller investigation. Right. He didn't fight it. Well, he had a lot of resources. Right. And and I'm just saying, look, there's been no smoking gun. It would be I, I don't see how you trot this piece out about the nation and say, aha, we got him. If if there hasn't been a smoking gun, right? I mean, you you know, like Wow, you Russiagate skeptics really? No, you didn't get it wrong. I mean, I mean, the, the piece did try to make it seem like that Vanity Heuvel was sort of carrying water for her husband Stephen Cohen, 
and let him dominate the nation and then occasionally let a dissenter who believed in Russiagate, uh, you know, state their view. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's look, the picture he, he Steve Cohen was one of the world's leading experts on Russia. Uh, right. So it's not as if it's not as if he had some kind of nefarious financial connection he was carrying water for. He had ideas. He had, he had ideas about Russia. And I'll tell you, in retrospect, I think if we listened to him, he was raising questions back in 2014 about Russia and Ukraine and saying, look, uh, you know, we need to come up with a, a, a creative solution to the problem with the EU and Ukraine because this is obviously going to be considered very threatening to Russia. Right. I think we need we should have listened to people like him. Right. I I, I definitely agree with that. The um, I have a fact about Duncan Campbell, who that only readers of only listeners to this podcast will know about. I think. Okay. He was a very nice guy. He was he 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 lived around here in L.A. I don't know where he lives now. Uh, distinguished journalist who was his girlfriend. Uh, well, the ironic answer, of course, would be Katrina Vanden Heuvel, but it's not that. What is the answer? Jacqueline Bissett. Really? Yes. So Hat, my hat's off. Don't worry about him. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> who, I, you know, I don't know this guy. How old is he? He's pretty old. If he were running for president, he would say he's too old. Uh huh. Let me put it that way. A man of a certain age. Hmm. Um. Well. Maybe so even older than me. Piece, he wrote the piece that CJR spiked. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's a vet. He's a veteran British journalist. Totally. Well, I can see how when he wrote it, man of the left. I can see how when he wrote the piece, it would have seemed stronger because it wasn't yet so clear that we were going to go so long without That's a very good smoking point. gun. But he just republished it now. Right. So, um, but I, I don't get the triumphalism. It, it, you don't get the what? I don't get the triumphalism about right. publishing right. it now. Right. The um, well, I guess he wrote a piece that he wants to see it published. Damn it! <laughs> so, yeah. that would be the trifleism. Uh, the uh, the other thing is there are all these other. It's not just Hamlet sixty eight. There are a bunch of uh, organizations that are using the concept of disinformation to basically destroy the right. I mean, there was a there's one that's sort of going around that Quinn Hillier wrote about this week and was in the I think well I guess the Washington. Examiner, I believe, uh, maybe the Times. I get those two confused. Uh, that's using it to goes around to advertisers and say, "You don't want to fund this mag, advertising this magazine that's that's printing disinformation." You know, and like a some sort of mild opinion on, uh, you know, gender affirming medical care or something will concentrate count as disinformation. Uh, and it's basically they're basically like wreaking havoc with right wing magazines that cost them millions and millions of dollars. Uh, and only recently exposed. The other thing um, is, is it interesting the the explanation for why uh, why the algorithm seemed biased against the right is not that it was inherently biased against the right. It's they were left wing organizations that were basically uh, basically automating uh, reports of disinformation against virtually every right wing. Uh, Twitter account in the world. You mean they were and reporting them to Twitter? It was they like reported to two there Twitter were bots sort of that, mass, that reported right-wing accounts. A Twitter. mass computerized way. And once the, they were reported, then the algorithm starts uh, dis starts discriminating against them. But it wasn't anything Twitter 
itself had engineered. It was a sort of attack from the left uh, trying to uh, report every right-wing account well, there look, is. As I said, Yoel Roth, who is himself a man of the left, uh, was pointing out that these accounts of being identified as Russian bots were by and large conservative human beings, and he was against, and he wanted to right. blow the whistle. I think but he this, was a right, guy who acted he, in good faith. Under this theory, he failed to blow the whistle against uh, the disinformation attacks. Not the they they weren't they weren't accusing uh, accounts like uh, I don't know some uh, some uh, they weren't accusing accounts of being Russian. They were just saying it was it's right. disinformation. But but and what it's I mean automated, is, so they, they I mean anybody can file a report, right? Right. So, what I mean is, it's a very hard job. My sense is that he actually. Uh, did his best to, to act in good faith uh, and be a neutral arbiter, but it's an extremely hard job. In any event, in this one case, uh, I think he, he 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 did the right thing and was shouted down by a de a defender of the blob. Right. Um, one um one thing we for what what weird thing in the State of the Union that uh that I'd like your opinion on is I had this weird line was that. Would anybody in the world, any world leader, change places with Xi in China? And he, he like, he repeated it in his yelling voice. Not yeah. one. Would anyone name one? Name me well, one. That, that was so funny. I'd heard such good reviews of the speech, and then I happened to to watch that clip, and I thought, this guy seems deranged. I mean, it, it, it was really overboard. It was overboard, and and what he was, uh, whatever chemical he was taking was uh, overdoing it but what was the point of that line i mean i don't understand that line and there are many there are hundreds of there are dozens of world leaders who would change yeah. with G. he's in charge of the the, the up-and-coming uh yeah is it the largest economy in the world if, if it's not it's going to be soon i know a podcaster uh, who would who would trade places with him in a heartbeat uh make that one you, you wouldn't you wouldn't i think there's a lot of no. folks to that job my alarm is going off. Could that I means... bring democracy to China? What? If I if I trade places with them, could I bring democracy to China? I think I'd be killed if I did that. Right? Yeah, well, I would just stick with the perks. If I if I had the job, I, I think I would revel in the perks for a few years before I got ambitious. But listen, I mean, they call him Winnie the Pooh. What would they call me? Jesus. Do they call him Winnie the Pooh? She, yes. Who calls him that? Chinese people, and he gets really upset about it and like bans images of Winnie the Pooh from the internet. Is that is all this yes. true? Yes. Why do they call him Winnie the Pooh? Because he looks like related? Winnie the Pooh. He doesn't look like Winnie the Pooh. Well, looks more like Winnie the Pooh than you do. Well, you, you, okay, I concede the point. Um, so, it was false. And was it some sort of threat? I mean, I don't, was it? Well, I didn't well, get it. Well, I mean, he was, I guess it was like, uh, maybe the subtext was, you think he's winning? He's not winning. Also, right. he's winning. There are people who trade places yeah. with me, but not with him. I guess that's what he's saying. If somebody told it to him and it like rang, it, it, it's like, it, it, it was like a line that somebody told him that, that uh, resonated with him and, and he, but why was it, why did it survive all the vetting to, to, uh. Well, the line would have been not that bad, but he was just too amped up. Well, he's um, always ended up. He always does that. That's a standard thing where he repeats himself at overamped volume. Yeah. What's her name? What's uh, the the woman whose last name is Hemingway on the right? What's her first name? Molly Hemingway. Molly Hemingway. She she called it speed slurring. I was reading 
some uh, some Twitter during the State of the Union, even though I didn't watch it. Now it's the turn. But he doesn't team. slur when he repeats it. No, but I know what she means. It's like you know what I mean. It's like it, he he rushes through things to show his right. vigor, but he still can't do the enunciation because you know enunciation slows down with age. It starts. This repetition but, thing is like is like how he proves that he's smart. It's like you think this is a banal thought. Well, I'm going to repeat the banal thought at top volume. Take that, Ivy Leaguers. Who wouldn't trade places with my banal thought? Um, so, I don't know. I think my mullet analogy is much better than Molly. No, anyway. I really, I'm still, I'm still just admiring that. So, I had one, uh, I, I had one thing to say about the balloon. Should we save it for the parrot room? I mean, Maybe not. I, I want to say a couple of things about Ukraine, but go ahead. Uh, well, the balloon thing is just, was it, did, it seems to be the question of, did she know about it? And was this an intentional attempt to sabotage the rapprochement with Tony Blinken that they were planning is sort of an interesting point. Well, although we're starting, we're, we're now starting to say that there's a lot of these Chinese balloons floating around, which makes it more plausible that this one, uh, that they didn't plan this. And maybe, you know, it it wasn't supposed to be so visible or wasn't even supposed to be over American airspace. I don't know, but, you know, uh, I, I just... We, they were, what, they were supposed to be over Canadian airspace? I mean, who are they? That's We're the people who are underneath the North Pole. By the way, we I shot something down as we as we go to tape this. Oh, did we the shoot The Defense Department shot something down over Alaska. Another balloon? It, it, it didn't say what it was. So it could just be like a like a bird. I don't think they. If it was a bird, I don't think, uh, and I don't think um, they would make it a big news story. And the other thing about it is is why did we have to blast it with a with a sidewinder missile? missile. Couldn't we just have thrown BB a gun. harpoon at it? Yeah. Why didn't the pilot just open the window and use a BB gun? I, I tend to think everything is political with Biden, and and this was an attempt to be macho after having dithered as this thing sailed across the United States. He wanted the, the, the most macho ending for it as po that he could. Oh, I would imagine they left that call up to the Air Force. But uh, I, these planes still do have machine guns, don't they? I, I, my understanding about balloons is that about 100 shots from a 50 caliber machine gun or whatever caliber they are uh, might impair their functionality. But I don't know. Who knows? I would just, know why couldn't they just have send a warthog up with a Gatling gun and knocked it down? I mean, I, I, I would have gone with Gatling gun. But and the question and the other question is, you know, I was charging that uh, they sh they should have shot it down over land. It would have been easier to recover the things. Now they're at the bottom of the ocean, but they claim to have now discovered the key components at the bottom of the ocean as we as we go to tape. So I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I, you don't, I you don't think thought. they want? I mean, there was this narrow window for a rapprochement, and it's mm -hmm. been shot down now. Well, the time being, I mean, there's no reason it should be. I mean, you know, come on, folks. I mean, it's like we spy on each other. They got caught. It's not as if this is some inherently illicit form of spying. I mean, we invented this. It was our U-2 over the Soviet Union, you know, over flights that were supposed to be secret, taking pictures, and it got shot down in the 50s. So it's not like we can claim this is some radical, new, and unacceptable no, no, thing. No, it, it obviously only temporarily postpones the rapprochement, but it does postponed enough to maybe get through this window before the election when rapprochement is possible. 
I mean, the thing I've learned since last week is that, you know, as was widely reported, apparently it wasn't just taking pictures. It was also intercepting communications. I would think anything really secret would be encrypted. So it's not like, you know, they're getting Pentagon stuff. But according to something I wrote, it's all about the battle for dominance of near space. In other mm-hmm. words, planes can't there's planes can't go above what how many feet, but balloons can go up to almost to the edge of space. So if you want to dominate that layer of the Earth's mm-hmm. atmosphere, you want to master balloons. Well, I so know one not- balloon they're no longer mastering, Mickey. Okay. That's the issue. Anyway, um uh, that's- we have a whole bunch of other stuff mm-hmm. to talk about. I don't know. Quickly on Ukraine, just so that we can talk more in the in the parrot room. But uh, basically, the situation I described last week remains the case, which is to say, uh, there's nowhere where Ukraine seems to be making progress, and there are places where Russia seems to be making progress. It seems, you know, at at this point, at last check, Bakhmut, there was only one road into Bakhmut. You you would think Ukraine would withdraw before long, and and I hope it's not too late when they. Side two, as far as I know, they haven't, I didn't check Twitter right before this, but they haven't started yet. Um, And who knows, maybe they'll miraculously reverse the tide. But, you know, there, Kremena, there's there's a few places where, however incrementally, the Russians are gaining ground, nowhere where Ukraine is. Ukraine has, I think, so far fought off the offensive in uh, Vuladar in the south, which matters. Um. But, you know, more and more people are are growing concerned about the fact that uh, Russia has uh, manpower, quantity of manpower on its side. And, you know, one thing you're seeing, and I see this on pro-Russia Twitter, but I I think I try to follow people on pro-Russia Twitter who some of them may be flat-out propagandists, but I think they, they generally use authentic source material. And, you know, you see these videos of uh ukrainian uh police or soldiers or something like tracking down these guys who have been evading the draft and putting them in trucks and stuff i mean they've definitely uh and, and i think some of this happens in, in russia too apparently in both of these places because of this the whole le- legacy of the of the soviet union the deal about getting a legal summons is you, you kind of don't have to take it that seriously uh, you know it's just they, they have to come get you or something so it's not like this is that aberrant but i do think ukraine has exhausted the supply of people who really are very eager to fight this war. The other thing I saw in a couple of places, again, it's on pro-Russia Twitter, but is that they have lowered the age from 17 to 16 for the people they're conscripting. Now, that would be a sign, I think, of true desperation, if true. Um, when, when do these tanks arrive? Oh, the tanks... It's going to be months and months before they have an impact. The also, um, you know, I was hearing this Michael Kaufman guy saying, honestly, the other kinds of armored vehicles are probably more important than the tanks. You know, the the uh, the uh, infantry infantry fighting vehicles and armored personnel carriers. Um, And I just nobody seems to think they're going to actually be the miracle cure. I mean, if you ask, uh, you know, what Ukraine most needs now, it's probably more things like. Conventional artillery, artillery shells, uh, drones. I mean, I will, you know, if you want to have hope of of reversing this this kind of modest uh, Russian tide, um, 
you know, weapons, I, I, I do think there are kinds of weapon systems that in quantity could make a big difference. Do you remember all the stuff about the switchblades, dr kamikaze drones? This is like eight months ago. People were excited. Oh, these switchblade drones. And I was like, just last week, I thought, like, whatever happened to these switchblade drones? Well, I Google it, and the switchblade 600 drone, which is the one that can destroy tanks, which on paper, it's like, great, right? It, it's like, you, it, it's a kamikaze drone. It can go like 40 miles. And you have, there's a camera on it, so you can change course in mid-side. Uh, you, uh, you know, you can, it's remote control. You just pick the tank, boom, it's gone. As of, and, and I, so I Googled it, came up with a story from November where the company still had not delivered any and were saying within weeks, they hope to deliver 10. And I'm not sure if that's 10 actual drones or 10 kits, each, each of which has several drones. But I mean... That's the kind of thing. So that still had not, I, for, so far as I know, that hasn't even hit the battlefield, certainly hasn't in quantity. That's the kind of thing that maybe a bunch of them could make a big difference. A company claims in principle it can make 2000 a year. Who knows? Um, but anyway. Well, there, it is weird that the, that the woods aren't going to be filled with Republican hawks who are claiming that Biden should produce the drones faster and deliver more of them. I mean, Republicans seem solidly skeptical of the war. Yeah, that does seem where they are. And that is a, a turnabout that I think the Democrats still haven't entirely adjusted to. They're still, they still think they, that, that they have to spend all their time defending their manhood. Um, but what well, Zelensky is focusing on, by the way, is, is fighter jets. And he's doing it big time. He's making a big deal of it. And I don't totally get that because it would be a long time before those had much impact. And, uh, it seems like they have near-term uh, challenges, but yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe then we'll give them the pilots with the fighter jets. Well, I think, as I said last week, I think if that may be part of the appeal to him is the various senses in which the fighter jets could lead to... Entangle us. Yes, could entangle us. Are there maybe some Ukrainian Americans who know how to pilot fighter jets, and we could have like a core of, uh, you know, Ukrainian Americans who, where we wouldn't get involved, but they does could Vin, go and pilot the jets for that for does them. Vin, does Vinman know how to fly a plane? Uh, Mrs. He's, Vinman, maybe he's the only one I can think of. You know, there are, there are apparently a non-trivial number of Polish troops who are mercenaries, technically. I and so far as I know, they didn't come from the Polish armed forces, but there's. There's actually a fair number of uh, non-Ukrainians who have uh, who have fought and died over there. I, I think a lot of Poles. Um, hmm. um, so, uh, and it is, it, yeah. Poland was one of the countries that was supposed to wimp out in the face of authoritarian, Putin's authoritarianism, right? Because they were Putin-ish authoritarians themselves. They've done exactly the opposite. Oh, oh, they, they, yeah, no. There's long-standing. Yeah. No, they're, 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 they're. You might call say Russia skeptics. I mean, I think they would. They're more on Ukraine's side now. In the in the absence of their common Russian enemy, there are historical tensions between Poland and Ukraine. But uh, I think they're they're more on board with with fighting Russia than uh, a lot of European countries. Which isn't to say they want to be drawn into it. I I don't think they do. But uh, you know. It's big Brzezinski, you know, biggest cold warrior ever, yeah. just about. I await the uh, column in uh, 
in the bulwark extolling the illiberal democracy of Poland for standing up to Putin. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. May um, not. Are we at, we're at the, uh, at the yeah. time when we want to hype yeah. our. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going to patreon.com slash parrot room now where we will discuss, for example, Mickey. Uh, well, there's this weird story from Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister of Israel saying yeah. that, that, uh, that the West pulled the plug on a, a promising peace deal, a 50, 50 peace deal. Uh, with with Putin yeah. before the war started. There wasn't uh, before the war. Big it, it, debate was, it was over whether, wait, wait, what he was said. And, it was 10 days into the war. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, I have, a, I have a harmonic convergence of Bob that I want to propose where I can knit together two aspects of your thoughts. I'm on board. In, in a way you've probably thought of, but maybe not. Um, there's... Uh, uh, I have an extended attack on Jonathan Chait, which I'm ready to do any time. I will defend him, whatever and, you say about him. And uh, I wanted to debate. I, I, I know, I know, you love talking about social equality versus uh, income equality, but I have can't get enough. In addition, we made some progress last week, and I'm, I'm thinking we did. Uh, actually. I have an additional wrinkle to add. I have to an that. additional wrinkle for you. Okay, we can wrinkle each other. Yeah, as, <laughs> as if either of us needs it. Um, um, oh, 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 I've got for you, this is, oh, it's almost tempting to do this in public. No, I'll do it in the pair room. A great anti-Semba for talking point. They hired, oh, a, they hired a very dubious uh, character to I, I, uh, maybe run their foreign policy stuff. I don't know, we'll, we'll get into this. It's a hire that you should, you should given your longstanding vendetta against Semaphore and Ben Smith, you should really weaponize this shit, man. Okay. You use the word weaponize, Bob. That means you're going to have to pay a punishment, too. Why? Is that bad? It's not as bad as nothing burger, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. You mean on grounds of triteness? It's a cliche? Yes. yes. Correct. Okay. Um, well, let me just it's say... A, it's, I, it's, it's, it's a boot stamping on the human face. Uh-huh. A cliche. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I'm going to deliver up a weapon burger for you, Mickey. You're gonna like this. Uh, that's and 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 everybody and people in people are murdering city councilmen in your neighborhood, Bob. And not my immediate neighborhood, but two New Jersey uh, in two different New Jersey towns. Uh, but you're the expert on have local government New Jersey murders. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I thought you could solve this mystery for us. Ah. Uh, I can talk a little about it. The uh, did you watch the Long Goodbye, the movie featuring Elliot Gould, I watched, Elliot Gould, whom you supposedly I watched two thirds of it. Okay, then we can discuss that. It was recommended that we watch it. We'll discuss that. Um, the uh, I want to talk a little more about AI. You know, Microsoft Bing is getting good reviews, notwithstanding. You know, the the AI integration in, into Microsoft Bing, the Chat GPT integration is getting good reviews. Even though last week on this very podcast. I predicted that Microsoft would not do a good job of of turning uh, ChatGPT. If you ask, if you ask it to write a poem praising Charles Murray, it will refuse. Is that right? Yes, that was yeah. unbelievable. That's what we call guardrails. Guardrails in the AI business. Um, what else? I bet it will uh, write a poem about you. It's ridiculous. It's 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 absurd. Well, they're erring on the side of caution. Well, um, you know, when they came for Charles Murray. 
We said it was. I said nothing. Yeah, you're <laughs> not that. You're not that far from Charles Murray. <laughs> are you kidding? You're not that far from Charles Murray. I'm closer than you are, but you're right. So you're I, the when they came, editor from of the magazine Murray, that hyped his, the former editor of the magazine that hyped his bell curve, and you have. I was proven, the, proven anti-feminist views about ev our I evolutionary not, nature. I do not have anti. I was acting editor of the magazine, not <laughs> when it ran the Charles Murray shit. Andrew Sullivan was, and I ran a piece, uh, uh, you know, a counter piece, uh, arguing against Charles Murray at that okay, very so moment. The chat GPT will kill you last. Yeah. I mean, first it came for Charles Murray. I said nothing. Next they'll come from you. I'll say nothing. And it, they'll <laughs> have to go to several people before they come for me. Okay, they come you're for me. Safe. I am speaking up. Do you not have some breathing room. Yeah. Um, what else? Wait, was there one more thing? Uh, oh, a little more quantum physics. Uh, I saw being quantum physics. Oh, her Bacharach died. We might as well call it Google a list of his songs and, and pass judgment on them. He, um, there was that weird, you're very good at explaining obscure, I mean, uh, weird, unwieldy physics concepts. So can I ask you about, uh, Feynman's in, integral, which not, not unless I ask Chat GPT about it first. Okay, it's this weird thing that explains the entire universe. I can say things about Feynman. I met Richard Feynman. Yeah, I met uh, him in person, and I talked to him over the phone. Also, yeah, I met Bert Backrack. I can tell you about that. Oh well, there you go. Perfect there symmetry, is. as they say in physics. Okay, um, sums it all up. Sums it all up. Patreon.com slash parrot room uh if you want to see uh, if you want to see the parrot room or if you just want to give us money which is totally fine we're okay with that right okay raindrops are falling on my head raindrops are falling on my head and if people can spot the incorrect word in this in in the lyric mickey just isn't it raindrops oh i thought it was raindrops keep never mind maybe you're right I would I humbly withdraw from the field of battle. Uh and we'll see you in the pair room. Okay.